You ready? Cheap talk 69. <laughs> it's time for some cheap talk. Hey, this is Dax Nielsen from Cheap Trick, and you're listening to Cheap Talk. Somebody introduced this episode. Go ahead. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheap Talk. I'm your host, Robert Lawson, the author of Still Competition, The Listener's Guide to Cheap Trick. As usual, I'm here with my friend Tracy. Hello, Tracy. Hello, Tracy. And who have we got with us today? Why, it's Pete Sissery again. How you got, How you guys doing? Uh, from the I Love It Loudcast, I'm, I thank you very much for having me on again. The first time was awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us. Looks like uh, the uh, Cheap Trick. The Cheap Talk B team may have gone from a duo officially to a trio. Ooh, <laughs> don't excite me like that. Come on, I can't handle the excitement. So uh, what are we talking about today, Tracy? Today we are going to review the new album called In Another World. Uh, this is a big one, and I, I'm not really sure why. I, I, you know, they've, they've been releasing albums pretty steadily the last few years. But uh, because of the times we live in, this album just really seems to be connecting with people in ways that uh, I think Bang Zoom, Crazy Hello, and We're All All Right uh, didn't. Not not quite the same. It's almost like we, we needed this album right now. Uh, what do you guys think of that? Yeah, I, I honestly cannot remember an album that I was looking forward to so much as this one. And I think, Robert, a big factor was because of the, you know, the last 14 months that we've just gone through, you know, it was kind of a, you know, <laughs> the quote unquote bummer. And uh, I was, you know, we couldn't see any shows. Uh, we're shut out out of all that activity and seeing all these shows being postponed and probably Tracy had tickets. I know I had tickets. Who knows? You probably had tickets. But yeah, I think it was a combination of uh, just loving Cheap Trick, anticipating every release with, uh, you know, excitement. But this one just had a little extra juice to it for sure right you know i manage a record store and uh, i was open at the time that uh, that this album was coming out and i was having more people ask about it than i was with the previous albums you know like people just phoning like oh i hear there's a new cheap trick album i'm like yeah well there's always a new cheap trick album <laughs> you know but people are hearing about this one more uh, obviously the band are doing a lot more media for it they've been doing lots of interviews uh, some tv appearances so uh yeah this album really seems to be connecting with people and um and that's a good thing because it's a good record so uh now well didn't it chart at number one on one of the charts i'm not sure i recall which one but i believe on the rock charts and it was also in the top 20 on the regular charts i believe i mean obviously they don't stay along in this day and age but i think so also and these, day, these days you don't have to sell all that many copies to right that's right. right of course yeah but it's a first for them. They've they've never had a number one charting album on any chart. Right. Yeah. I guess I look at it this way, guys. It's somebody's got to be number one, right? Why not it be exactly. Cheap Trick? Agreed. Well, it's you know it's a shame that all the there's a couple different vinyl versions of the album and they've all been pushed back because that would have helped that first week sales as well. For sure, because vinyls. What? Well, Robert, don't have to tell you anything. Vinyls made a, a huge resurgence, and probably is the the physical medium that sells the best now. I would imagine. No, we still sell more CDs. Do you? Okay. Yeah, those, and and that, that's a weird thing to look at too. Sometimes people get real excited that like the dollar amount of 
sales for vinyl in the states last year was the first time that it had surpassed cds and mm -hmm. pe people think that that's real good news it's actually not good news because it means people are buying less music because vinyl is at usually at least twice the yeah, price of a cd yeah. so right. if you you know if you sell a hundred dollars worth of vinyl that's a lot less units than if you sell a hundred dollars worth of cds so sure. anyway Sure. Now, do you think, Robert, do you think uh, because they're now on BMG and obviously, you know, a pretty, you know, as far again in the in the parlance of our times, as the dude would say, or, uh, you know, Big Lebowski movie would say that the push they are probably getting from BMG, at least for setting up interviews and the media and whatnot, definitely didn't hurt. No, no, it's a good thing. Um, you know, it, it's nice seeing all these clips of them playing and, you know, if you go to YouTube now and you type in like Cheap Trick. 2021 all the guys are doing lots of interviews for them there's somewhere it's just rick or just rick and tom and uh yeah it's, it's really great to, to see them out again um of course most of rick's interviews just you know end up with him going it's cool yeah yeah or practice what do you mean practice yeah we're too dumb to quit yeah there there you go there's the one so the thing about this album uh we're we're going to get into it uh, but for listeners, this isn't the first time that this album has been talked about. Back in 2018, Brian Cramp, Ken Mills, and myself talked about the first single, Here Comes the Summer, because of course that's when it was released. Uh, earlier this year, Tracy and I talked about Light Up the Fire, that's episode 64. And then uh, episode 65 was when Brian, Ken, and my friend Pat Francis talked about the album. So you got a lot of different views about some of these songs that you can listen to. So you want to you check out episode 46, 64, 65, and now this one. And I think uh, it's, a, it's a good point there, too. Um, obviously, this podcast, the subject is Cheap Trick, but I'm actually hearing a lot of other podcast friends of mine mention it, and they don't normally talk about Cheap Trick. Uh, one just the, the other day just said it was fantastic. So I just love hearing that stuff. You know, all these years later, hearing that about your favorite band is a cool damn thing. There's definitely a bunch of people who this is the first Cheap Trick album that they've gotten in a while. Mm hmm you know, I'm seeing people post that they haven't picked up anything since like Rockford or something. Yeah. And and some of these people didn't even know that they had those previous albums. So so yeah, this one's definitely getting a, a, a bit of a push. So even though we've talked about it before, let's kick off with the opening track, Summer Looks Good on You. Summer Looks Good on You, uh, which was originally released in May 2018. Tracy? Well, I didn't love it when it was released initially, which seems like 100 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I did like it much better when I heard it live. However, I, I just don't feel like it fits on this album. To me, it sounds like it should be on 
bang zoom crazy hello or or we're all all right uh it's just it, i don't know why it just doesn't seem to fit for me it's okay i don't hate it but it's it would be my least favorite might as well start it out right right this is my least favorite song wow do you think that's a factor tracy of because you have heard it before if you didn't hear it and it was the first time that mm -hmm. might have swayed things or or no I don't know because I didn't love it when I did hear it the very mm -hmm. first time. Oh, okay. I don't know what I don't know why. I don't know what it is about it. It's just not my I don't hate it. You know, it's okay. I listen to it. I don't skip it. I just don't love it. Well, it's been out for three years, so if it hasn't grown on you yet, odds <laughs> <laughs> are not, not good. Yeah. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so moving on to quit waking me up. Well, geez, don't I get to give my opinion? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> i love it i run a tight ship <laughs> i guess i'll see Go you ahead, guys Peter. later no i'm Go kidding um, Go ahead, Peter. <laughs> I, you know so i'll give the total opposite i didn't love it when it first came out i liked it and because it was cheap trick and let's be totally honest i'm always going to be slightly biased but i don't drink all the kool-aid um but the more i listen to it I really, really love this song. And I, Robert, kind of tying into what we said about the anticipation of this album, I'm at the point right now, I'm so over everything that's happened with the, you know, the, you know, we went through po politically and the COVID. This song just makes me feel good. And as the weather gets warmer, I'm going to play, I'd just be playing it more. I mean, it's, it just puts a smile on my face. And, and that's what I'm looking for. I did like it a lot better when I saw them do it live uh, in the summer of, I guess that was summer of 2018. I thought it really fit like an outdoor amphitheater. It was, mm -hmm. a, you know, it was a really beautiful summer day. The sun was shining and, uh, you know, just a great crowd enjoying the music. And I thought it really fit in that atmosphere. So, um, but I often have that with songs. There's a lot of songs that I, I, I tend to like them live better or you know it's like if it's okay on the album live they can really kind of turn it into something better right. so um yeah so that seems to be one of those so Let, people... robert can i ask you a question being our resident expert obviously uh, the ma vast majority of these songs say written by nielsen zander peterson raymond and nielsen are we to assume that rick is the main lyric writer or how do we know or do no, we no uh no 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 not necessarily um and uh, one of the ballads here, we'll, I'll talk about that a little bit. Are the credits always in the same order? Yes. Yes. Okay, so that's kind of different because in the past, generally the first name would be like the person who brought it to the sessions. Mm. So that's why sometimes you'd see Xander or Peterson first, right. meaning just that they kind of had the first germ of the idea and then it was worked on by the whole band. Um, so now that's interesting that they're that they're going with that. You know, it was a little problemic for me that on uh, Bang Zoom, you know, there's some songs on there, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in a minute as well. But there's some songs on here that are from, they're much earlier songs. That's the easiest yes. way to say it. Yes. They're much earlier songs. They have not changed all that much uh, lyrically or musically, and yet uh, Julian and uh, Dax, uh, get songwriting credits, mm -hmm. which, you know, seems a, a little odd to me. So there's songs, you know, there's a couple songs on here that I think were actually, uh, they used to play live before Dax was born. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
and uh, and they haven't changed them all that much. So, um, but I'm looking in the notes right now for Bang Zoom, and this is what I was referring to before that uh, the name that you see first changes. Ah, so, yeah. So, so that's generally. Um, so I don't know why they're they've, they've gone with just kind of a corporate songwriting credit uh, approach with the new album. So now we don't know who brought any of the songs to to any of the people, except for one that I know for sure. Yeah. Written by a guy named John. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that one. Oh, no, then, then there would be two. Okay, so if Peter's ready, we're going to talk about Quit Waking Me Up. Quit Waking Me Up, uh, I think it's an excellent, excellent track. I think, to Tracy's point, if Summer uh, Looks Good On You wasn't on the album, this would still be a really good opener. Uh, it's kind of funny little aside. I was, like I had mentioned, I had an extremely busy day at work today, and I got a text message from my 11-year-old son. He was making a, a cheap trick playlist on his phone, so he wanted to know which album this was on. So I know I'm raising my child right, and... Uh, I just again, this song is just incredibly fun. It's impossible not to have a smile on your face when you're listening to it. Um, there's nothing about it I don't like. Yeah, it's one of those ones that's got you know Rick's crummy back backing vocals, which is uh, always a fun part. You know how he, you know Robin's like this near perfect vocalist, so Rick chooses to be you know what he calls crummy. That's his term, not mine. Yeah. Um, the other thing I like in the song, they have what I always refer to as a dreamy aside. So in this song, it's right after the guitar solo, which is the how does it feel to be under the stars? You know what I mean? Yeah, the psychedelic spacey. Yeah, know. and they've been doing that from the beginning. Like they do it in Hot Love, you know, the part of, you know, why won't you let me inside? So they they do that often in their songs where there's a, this dreamy kind of aside just for a couple of lines. And then they snap right back into the song and, and away they go. Um, so that's just one of the examples on the new album of them kind of borrowing a little bit of a technique or a little uh, moment from their past. And I know we'll talk about some more of those because this album's full of those kind of things where they've got little elements from their history that we can kind of point to and go, oh, that's from, you know, here and there. I don't know where, somewhere in my book, I, I listed a bunch of these. Again, I call them the dreamy asides. But yeah, they, that's something that you know Rick's had in his songwriting for a long time. What were your thoughts on this one, Tracy? This is actually one of my favorites. I don't have a favorite because I couldn't narrow it down to one. But um, I love it. It's happy. It's infectious. It's an earworm. I like the horns that you hear. Uh, and I like hearing Rick's backing vocals. I really love the ending, too, because it's abrupt, and I like abrupt ending songs. Oh, well, in that case, <laughs> we have to... So here's something Clive Palmer and I were talking about recently. So if you listen to this album, and in fact, the the last two, there's very few songs where they fade out at the end. Yeah. And in fact, on this album, I don't think there's any. <laughs> like, every song has an abrupt end. You know, they and never, I love that. They never fade out anymore. <laughs> And uh, I have to wonder 
what's uh, what's the reasoning behind that? How do you come up it's with because that kind of? Thing? They know I like that, so that's why they did it. You like abrupt endings? <laughs> I do. I love hey, it. No. I love those <laughs> abrupt endings. Oh, jeez. <laughs> story of my life. Is this a family show? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> you guys. Anyway. No, I, I think it makes it sound more garage bandy too. I, I like yeah. it. I just more punky. It's like, it's like a final punch at the end, like boom, it's done. Yeah, well, that's a good point, Peter, because you can't, uh, you know, you can't fade out live. Right. I mean, you kind of can, you know, and bluegrass guys do it where they all just slowly walk away from the microphone. But in general, in rock and roll, you don't do that. So, uh, yeah, this is like really how the songs would sound live with each one just having a real strong, uh, you know, final one-two punch at the end. Uh, it's neat. So what's next here? Well, is this the title track? I guess, kind of. The album is called In Another World, and we have a song just called Another World. Another world. Why they left off the word in, I don't know. But uh, what do we feel about this song, guys? Go ahead, Trace. You go first. Um, well, I like the drum opening, of course. I like the meaning of the song, which to me is like it's it's a song about hope. Sure, yeah. And um, I hear a little bit of piano in there. The guitar solo is great. It's just a beautiful song. I, I really like it. It's another one of my favorites that I can't narrow down to just one. It's just, um, I think that it, I understand, you know, people think maybe it's about COVID, but I know that it's not because it was recorded before that. But I, I really think it was just a testament to the times and people feeling so uh, distraught about you know the way things are in the world and and it was it's just like a glimmer of hope you know we'll find peace and 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 shelter and it's i just it's beautiful yeah i agree 100 percent. It, it's weird and there's certain lines that are kind of cliche and they're if they were in another song that wasn't so good i might might not like it but I literally, and I'm not exaggerating, I think this song is musical perfection. I think the performances are great. It's beautiful. It rocks. It's emotional. Uh, there's, it's, it's definitely, well, it's, it's one A on the album for me. Uh, hint, hint. Um, but yeah, I think this song is just, to, the fact that all these years, we're, we're in 2021, and they're putting out a song like this is mind boggling because I I'm, I'm not shy on my podcast by saying that I think obviously the, the later catalog and most artists from the seventies, eighties that are still going are not good. It, it's, they're just putting out stuff to put out stuff. And I can't say this about this album and this song, maybe top 10 cheap trick songs of all time for me. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Uh, I think it's a good point that you make though about, you know, artists, 
uh, putting out new new music. You know, that's a topic that gets talked about a lot. Uh, this is definitely not a throwaway album. This is a, a, a record that uh, they obviously really worked on and felt strongly about. It's not just, uh, you know, a collection of old outtakes or something. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of strong elements to this record for sure. I mean, there's points depending on what my mood is, what, where I'm listening, when I'm listening, you know, when he breaks into the, you know, I will be there for you. I mean, I almost get a tear in my eye. I know that sounds corny, but I, I, I just feel what everybody, the burden that was on everybody's shoulders, you know, and that the heaviness of everything that was going on. And I, I think it's beautiful. Well, maybe now's a good point or a good time to, to talk about this kind of stuff. And Tracy brought it up that the album is not about covid it's not about uh staying home or it's not about being vaccinated um robin in particular has been very clear in some interviews that this is uh, an album about the political situation in the united states for the last four years you know they're not being shy about this and i know we're going to talk about this when we get to the john lennon song you know i got a quote here from classic rock magazine and Robin said, we were talking about the United States in general, about politics, and about how things are going. I guess we all felt like we were being run by a mob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, in some ways, this is Cheap Trick's first kind of political album that they're actually getting out there. And and uh, and they have a message and they feel strongly about it. Um Right. And whatever your belief is, I mean, they have every right to do it. That's the beauty of this country. (laughs) Well, well, during the interview with Eddie Trunk, Robin said the last four years before COVID, uh, this album is about the division in the country. So, um, yeah, you know, this is something people have been talking about a lot. You know, when when I go to a rock concert, I want to leave all my problems at the door and just have a party and have a good time. And, you know, there's a lot of music for that. Sure. But, um, you know, there's other music, too. And, and, you know, to say that politics is not a part of rock and roll or, or part of pop music is really um, an image. Yeah, well, that, that would be an ignorant statement because the, the example and again, whether you, whatever side you're on, how could you not say there was division? There was absolutely division. And so they have and again, they have every right. They're human beings just like me, you or Tracy, and everybody's got an opinion. Yeah, it's it's natural for them to put it into their art. That's what artists do is reflect our society back to us. I don't know why people are getting kind of worked up over it. Uh, you know, all the way back to people like Bob Dylan and, and John Lennon and oh, you uh, too. You know, Gee, I mean, sure. Yeah. sure. There's a lot of people who you know are not just singing about rock and roll and partying. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you choose not to listen that again, that's your right. But man, are you missing out on a good album? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shame on you, you know. So now we have a song and this is where I'm going to get into some detail a little bit. Boys and girls and rock and roll. Let's hear a little bit of it now.
boys and girls and rock and roll. Right, so this song is notable because it's a really old song. So this is one of the many songs that have come from the 1997 sessions. Oh, really? Um, wow. Can I yeah. need to interrupt for one second? Sure. And it's going to get cut out anyway, because I'm just saying that is not me shuffling papers, Ken, just so you know. Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going to get in trouble for shuffling papers? I got in trouble for shuffling papers, so it's your turn. I probably shouldn't have put ice in my wine then either. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering about Sorry, that. Ken. Lots of editing to go here. Anyway, go ahead. So, as uh, <laughs> I think as everybody knows, in 1997, Cheap Trick uh, put out a new album, self-titled Cheap Trick, and it was a real kind of return to form for the band. They kind of got back to the roots of the first album, which was also self-titled in 1977, of course, and uh, it was just a real raw rock album. Sales-wise, it didn't do so great. There were some record company issues, but it, it really was a return to uh, their roots. But what some people may not know is that they had so much material from that 1997 sessions that was strong that they keep going back to it. So almost every album since has had at least one song that originates from the 1997 sessions. So some examples of that are Come On, Come On, Come On and Dream the Night Away, which are on the Rockford album. Those are from 1997. Low Life and High Heels and My Obsession on Special One are both from 97. Heart on the Line. Well, a song called that was called Rosie in 97 became Roll Me on Bang Zoom. On the last album, We're All All Right, there's two songs, Radio Lover and Brand New Name. And both of those date back to 97. So it's like the 97 record could have been a double. Wow. They had so much material. And some of it was more finished than others. But some of them did not change all that much when they re-recorded them years later. So Boys and Girls and Rock and Roll was originally called Rolling Stoned. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, and it's it, it's not that different than what we have on In, in Another World. Uh, let's hear a little bit now of Rolling Stoned from 1997.
So, Peter, how do you feel about this song? I like this song. It's not my favorite. It's not a go-to, but I would not skip it. You know, we talk about this a lot and with a whole bunch of different artist albums. Kind of perplexed why they put this one out for a single when I think there's definitely stronger material. But I don't dislike it. I think it's fun. It's it's growing on me at the beginning when they released it as a single. I got a little tired of it and didn't really listen to it too much when the uh, the full CD or album came out. But uh, I don't skip it anymore. It's a, it's a good it's a good song. It's not uh, anything that blows me away. But uh, I'll take it. Tracy. Well, I disagree. <laughs> I love it. As a matter of fact, Mary, who we all met on our uh, Nielsen Trust episode, and I were just talking about how this song would be so cool to hear live at, or and or for them to do some kind of really cool video for. Uh, it's just like um, like I you feel like you want to pump your fist, at least we do, for like uh, – she says she's got to save the best for me, you know, that part or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and we love the lines like they, they might be a little cliche or corny, but like we love she lives and bleeds rock and roll or take it easy. It's only rock and roll. I do. I like it. It's it's because it's like a rocker. I like it a lot. Tracy, I love your idea about like a video screen behind, like showing old like stock footage of a sock, sock hops and things like that. And, you know, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think it's one of, uh, it's kind of like a dirty little rocker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's really good. So, uh, okay, now we have the party. party i one of the things i like on this song is that dax is like doing this really kind of galloping drum part you know what i mean yes that's like exactly what i said too like it's really just jumping forward like, so, yes yeah it's great great work from uh from dax i think i think ken mills on his episode said that this is um a dance song or cheap tricks version of doing a, a dance song but i mean you can you can kind of dance to almost anything can't you well, not quite. <laughs> kind of hard to dance the Led Zeppelin, but <laughs> well, well, it depends on how much wine or other substances you ingest. True story. You could slow dance to like uh, all of my love. Yes, you okay, could. Okay, yes. I thought we were not referring to slow dancing, though. Oh, I don't. I actually don't listen to Led Zeppelin, so I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm very pleased that I was able to come up with that song title. <laughs> excellent, Robert. Excellent. I I, uh, I I think it is a great a great uh, note you made here about Dax. I just want to put a big asterisk right here in the sand. This is the Dax album. It seems like they took the reins a little bit off him. I mean, Bunny is one of my favorite all-time drummers of all time. You know, was never flashy, but was just always the right parts and. Play, not playing uh, is just as important as playing. But man, I think Dax is out of sight on this album. Really good. Yeah, I agree. And so do I. You won't get an argument here. Yeah, we all know that already. 
I like uh, the harmonies in that this song as well. And of course, it's got another abrupt ending. So yeah, of course. Got me with that. I think the chorus is very, very strong. I'm not crazy about the verses, but it, this song is definitely growing on me. Well, we slow things down a little bit with the next song, which is Final Days. Final days, and this one's kind of interesting to me because it's it's a uh, it's a lot darker than you know some of the things that we've listened to so far. It's a mid tempo tune, and um, really a, a little different. I mean, you need to do that on an album like this. You can't have it all be high energy, you know, rock and roll. You have to change things up a little bit. And uh, I really like the the dark kind of feel to this one. What do you think, Trace? Oh yeah, I uh, I love it. It's groovy to me, like it's groovy. You're grooving. It's it's kind of Lennon-ish to me. It sounds sort of Lennon-ish. Um, I think there's an underlying underlying meaning to the song. Um, the harmonica is a nice addition, and yeah. uh, it's another favorite of mine. Like every other one is going to be like another favorite of mine. <laughs> uh, I like it. I like the groove. It's it's yeah. a good groove. It's it's very it's it's plotting in a good way to me, and I, I I love the outro with the interplay between Rick and the 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 harmonica. Uh, I think the chorus is really cool uh, and and really different than the melody in the in the verses, and I, I like that. It's like two songs in a row where the the cor- the chorus and the verses are uh, very different, and I dig that. Yeah, for sure. I think it. Uh, I think the change up in styles and and moods really fits the album well. So now we were talking earlier about who writes songs and who begins them and stuff like that. So the next song is an acoustic ballad called "So It Goes." And so it goes. So it goes. Go ahead. You guys tell me your thoughts on this song first. <laughs> Go ahead, Pete. Okay. Well, um, guess who my favorite singer in the entire world is? I'll give you guys one guess. <laughs> Vince <Okay>. Neil. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's me, right? Uh, well, you, you, at Robin's a close second. We'll, we'll go Robin close <laughs> second. But uh, again, I am a sucker for any time Robin sings a ballad. 
you know, Robert, you mentioned uh, something about how people that haven't bought a Cheap Trick album in a while. I've gotten a couple texts from friends and whatnot that have, you know, got it. And they're like, oh, gosh, I skip right by that. Why do they got to put something like that on the album? You know, because every song can't be I Want You to Want Me. I, I hate to tell you, folks, but I really like it. You know, it's just it's kind of like a little filler song. You know, it's not too long the whole bit, but I'm I'm a sucker for a Robin, a Robin ballad. Right. Completely, completely agree. I love it. It's very pretty. I hate that there's no drums in it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's it'll be it'd be great for an acoustic set. Mm. It is basically that already. I like it a lot. And there's a little Led Zeppelin nod in there. Uh, if mount mountains crumble to the sea, I thought there'd still be you and me or something like that. I think a little Led Zeppelin-y. Not well, Robert there. wouldn't know. So True he's story. Yeah, Led Zeppelin. So. Who? <laughs> no, not the who, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Actually, I am going to be talking about Led Zeppelin with the next song, sort of. So the thing with So It Goes, which I, this might, not everybody might know this, but the song was originally written by Robin before he joined Cheap Trick. Whoa. Yeah, I read that in an article recently. Right. So he had, uh, he had moved to Scotland for a little bit. And while he was there, he was trying to get a deal as a singer-songwriter in London, and uh, that didn't work out. But this is one of the, this is a song that actually dates that far back. Um, of course, it wasn't uh, finished, and it wasn't uh, at the level of what we hear on the new album. But that's how long you know these guys are like recycling material from. So you just really got to wonder what other stuff do they have that's of this good quality, or at least good enough that they could spend a little time kind of polishing it up for release quality um you Robert, know i was just thinking the same thing it's like as you're saying that i'm like holy cow so that means this song is like a bazillion years old so where are the 500 other things they never threw away that we're gonna hopefully hear someday yeah right so it, yeah it means the song is like from 1973 or something <laughs> you know? wow and yeah. we're and we're just hearing it now which is incredible um, Do you think uh, he sang it in the same register back then? I wonder no, if probably, it was enough. Wow. Probably not. Yeah. Interesting. So Light Up the Fire, which, as I mentioned before, we this song has been talked about a lot because, of course, it's been out since January. So we've all heard it a whole bunch of times. Light up the fire. It's nice that it starts with a 12-string bass. Mm -hmm. We don't hear too much of that on this album. And I thought on the last couple albums, Tom's bass seemed a, a little lower in the mix than usual. I definitely felt that on Bang Zoom. So uh, that was one of the things that really struck me about this song when I first heard it. When I heard that loud bass at the beginning, I said, oh, yeah, <laughs> we're back. And uh, I still really like it. I, I don't know if it's... It's not really a top 10 cheap trick song for me, but it's, it's really rocking. I'd love to see them do it live. Uh, it's got a lot of energy to it. Yeah, I have no problems with it. And I think Robin sounds fantastic in it. Oh, so good. <laughs> like he's just really giving it, you know? 
Yeah, I, th- I think I just think this song literally kicks ever loving ass. The I love Tom's bass. Uh, I think lyrically there's some really strong. I mean, I, this line. I, tell me this isn't fantastic. Are you looking for heaven or one hell of a time? That's a yeah, great right, yeah. line. And uh, yeah, uh, the uh, I love uh, light up the fire. The heat starts coming. It's getting so hot. The sirens are calling. I mean, these are strong lyrics. These are this is a really good rock song. Yeah, I think it's I think it's terrific, and it's it's you know it's not them as a pop band or a power pop band. It's not even really them as a rock band. This is like a hard rock song. Yeah. You know, yeah. This is like it's got a lot of grit and a lot of kind of you know almost a grunge to it. I mean, I could I could hear Rat doing this song, you know, something I mean, even something you know, it's a, it's a really good like you said, it's a hard rock song. That's the best way to describe it. And you, Tracy? I love it. Yeah, I mean, you said it all. We said it all. <laughs> of course, I love the ending. I love the guitar solos. They're great. And it's just like it's a good rocker. I like it a lot. The bridge is great. I, turn turn it around. It's it's your better side is hilarious to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like it. And it's because it's slightly dirty. I, I In my mind, anyway, I like it because I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> of course. It's great. I love it. So, you know, the guys, you know, get compared to the Beatles a lot and they, you know, some people refer to them as the American Beatles. We know they're influenced by the Beatles. They've covered a lot of Beatles songs over the past uh, or during their whole career. But there's always been a strong Yardbirds influence. And I don't think people see that as much as they see the Beatles influence, unfortunately. But uh, like Rick talks about the Yardbirds all the time. And, you know, Jeff Beck specifically, uh, who, of course, was in the Yardbirds. So the be- very beginning of the guitar solo in this song, Rick's quoting the guitar solo from 1966 on a Yardbird song called Happening 10 Years Time Ago. How's that for a deep cut, Pete? Wow, wow. You know, I, I say this all the time, Robert. Every time I think that I'm like varsity, I talk to you and I get knocked down to the modified team. That's, that's awesome, man. Holy Moses. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> and just some some trivia well as if that wasn't trivia enough for you for all you rick nielsen completists there's actually a 1967 song by the yardbirds called ha ha said the clown and guess who plays organ on it rick nielsen come on so rick actually yardbirds was one of his favorite groups jeff beck's one of his favorite guitar players and he actually appears on a yardbird single it was a non-album uh, single um, and Beck wasn't in the band at this time. This is when they were, uh, Jimmy Page was running the show. Right. But uh, yeah, check out that song. You can listen to it on YouTube or Spotify. It, it's kind of a jokey, almost kitty kind of song. But uh, all the organ in it is played by uh, Rick Nielsen. So that's it's, your, it's, that's, it's that's your real trivia. <laughs> They call this uh, a callback, but wasn't Jimmy Page in another band too? I'm not sure. I wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Yardbirds went on to be, no, it works the other way. Zeppelin was originally called the New Yardbirds Mm -hmm. because they still had some dates to fulfill. So there is kind of a 
period where yardbirds are morphing into become Led Zeppelin. And even though Ha Ha Said the Clown isn't on their last album, uh, which is from 1967, it's a record called Little Games. And uh, if you listen to that album, you can hear that they're really moving towards, you know, they're starting to sound like what Led Zeppelin would sound like. Um, in fact, the Yardbirds even used to do Dazed and Confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was just called I'm Confused back then. But that so when Zeppelin did Dazed and Confused, they're actually covering the song that Paige first did with the Yardbirds. So it's it's a little odd that I'm I'm a really big Yardbirds fan and I don't listen to Zeppelin at all. When they, you know, you wouldn't have Zeppelin without the Yardbirds. So anyway, there you go. There's some Yardbirds well, trivia. You, you know how you, you love Tom's bass. The beginning of this song is great. You know, the, the, I mean, he's got a nice little riff there at the beginning. And uh, here we, you know, go with your Psychedelica again. And I, I love this song. Just love it. I think it's a great song. Yeah, I agree 100%. So here's a, we change up the sound a little bit with passing through. You can't go without Passing through, and this is kind of one of those big sweeping. It's sort of a ballad, but you know, it's got this like majestic kind of stride to me. You know, it's kind of like a similar feel, maybe like "Take Me, I'm Yours." You know, like this real. I I picture Robin standing up real straight when he's singing this. You know, and kind of like looking over his his a uh, crowd of followers. You know that he's he's like this proud. You know. Um, and this has this song has some really nice kind of lead bass in it. Yes, you know yeah, Tom's almost you know doing some real kind of slippery lines in there. What do you guys think of this one? I like it. It's a pretty ballad to me. Um, it's funny every time I, I've listened to this CD like three thousand times because <laughs> it's on repeat in my car, and every time it starts playing, my mind immediately goes to times of our lives from the latest it sounds yeah. so similar to me i have to remind myself that i am not listening to the latest i'm listening to in another world but it's just very to me it's very very similar musically to times of our lives i don't know why but i like it i like it yeah i think tom's bass stands out that you know that opening riff is pretty much you know tom's uh, going in between and around it, the I, I love the spacey vibe. It's almost like, I can't remember. I've listened to this on headphones a couple times, but I can I can almost imagine you know it phasing from one ear to the next, a, a part of the you know part of the mix. I can just get it's definitely got that uh, that spacey vibe. Um, again, I think strong lyrically. Robin does not have a bad performance on the album. Again, no. solid. It's it's there's not. There's not a throwaway track on here yet for me. No, I don't. Uh, well, we're going to maybe at the end of the record. Well, there, there is maybe a bit of an issue with that. But uh, no, the record is very strong overall. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a 10 out of 10 album for me, but it's it's a lot stronger. You know, going back to what Peter was saying about 
bands of this tenure putting out material at this stage in their career, it's a lot better than we have any reason to expect, <laughs> you know? Right. It's, um, it, and, and maybe part of that is because it didn't come out when it was originally supposed to, and they were able to work on it a little bit more and maybe uh, change out some songs. You know, Rick has said in interviews that they have at least six more songs Ugh. from these sessions that didn't make the album. So that doesn't mean that those songs aren't as good as these ones. As as we've learned from Cheap Trick uh, history, what I was saying earlier, a lot of their songs that are apparently not good enough to go on an album are actually very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just don't fit that album at the time. It's you know, so encouraging too, like what you said, Robert. It's like, okay, they got six six in the can, um, you know, pe- pending health, because obviously none of them are getting any younger. They just show no signs of ever stopping to record. And, you know, I know Robin recently called out Paul Stanley on an interview and Kiss, and it's just, they cannot not record. Like, because at the end of the day, I mean, the first people they're doing it for are those four. That's it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned Paul Stanley. So let me say this about that. Yeah. <laughs> I 100% disagree with Paul Stanley. He honestly feels that if the, if a song's not good enough for an album, it's not good enough. And he's said this numerous times over the years. You know, people ask him, do you have anything you know left over from Love Gun that you might bring back? And he always says that. If it wasn't good enough, you know, in 1977 for Love Gun, it's not good enough now. Meanwhile, Gene Simmons recycles material all the time, yes. and so does Cheap Trick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes the song gets left off an album just because it doesn't fit the theme, or there's just something about it that maybe the artist doesn't think that it's necessarily the right song for that album. Doesn't right. Or the, the producer had a bug up his ass and has something he just doesn't like about it, you know, and had influence. Yeah, you know? yeah. oh, sure. It could be someone else's decision, too. It might not have been the artist's decision uh, at all. So I see no issue i have no issue whatsoever with any artist uh looking back through their vaults or their old notebooks or cassettes and seeing you know you know there could be some gems there that could be worked on you know famously when uh, let me think i think 1983 bob dylan released an album called infidels and it got rave reviews and everyone loved it and it was like a real you know return to form for dylan and uh, you know really big album for him so flash forward to like 92, I think, and they put out something called the Bootleg Series. So on that album, there's a song. So this, the Bootleg Series is all stuff that had been unreleased mm-hmm. from his whole career. No one's ever heard any of this stuff. So there's a song on there that's an outtake from that Infidels album from the early 80s, and it was called Blind Willie McTell. Well, every review of the Bootleg Series box set, people went out of their minds for this song. Like they just couldn't believe and Bob was interviewed, I think, in Musician Magazine, and they said, how on earth could you leave that song in the vault for all these years? How did it not make the Infidels album? And Bob said, I still don't think it's that good. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 you know, I, I put very little faith in what the artist thinks are the yeah. best songs. Or yeah, the, no kidding. You know, and it works the other way, too, because even with Cheap Trick, They'll mention old songs or old albums that they don't like as much. So, you know, their opinion is just their opinion. There sure. could be all kinds of good stuff still in the vault. I mean, they well, there is good stuff still in the vault because they keep proving it. Every time they dust off an old song, um, like, what's the song? I should have this right in front of me. Is it Do You Believe Me from Bang Zoom Crazy? That, yeah, they were playing that in clubs. You Amazing. can hear a version of that on the Bun E bootleg series. 
Amazing. So they've got all kinds of great stuff in the in, in the can. And if those six tracks that Rick's talking about, if those are half decent, hell, put out a digital EP to Absolutely. go along, you know, if they are able to play some shows later this year, why not put out a little six song, you know, kind of in another world part two or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that being said, I, I'm, I'm ready for a recent live show release and then you throw that in there you know if you the vinyl edition you toss it in on a, on a cd you know six songs in the packaging or whatnot whatever yeah yeah didn't they record the cavern club show in london yes that would be a good one for a release absolutely there's lots of stuff you can do i mean i think we talked about this when we did our whiskey 77 show but uh there's lots of stuff that they can do there's lots of stuff that all all bands can do you know and in this day and age you've got you know you're recording all the time anyway whether it's a live show or you know you a lot of these big when they do the large shows where there's an in-house video projection system those are kept Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know you could easily put out a live dvd blu-ray set you know all that stuff's really easy to do so do it yeah do it okay next we have here's looking at you you stepped out over my head you didn't stop to notice i think it's time that i said you're pulling me across the line if only looks could kill yeah looking at you what do you think about this one tracy i like it i like the there's like some she's tight yes stuff going on in there uh of course it's it's a good rocker uh there's some good crashing symbols and things like that and i like it I, it's another one of my favorites i like it a lot and when we talk about the album having elements from their past uh this one's a real melange because you have guitar and there's a guitar part that sounds like she's tight. And then they have that swirling keyboard thing that, you know, is in like Dream Police, you know, like that kind of thing. So you got two kind of different eras uh, both being represented in this song. Right, Pete? Yeah. Yeah. So, cl- again, elements of classic Cheap Trick. And Linda Perry contributed to this song, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Is it Linda Perry? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, OK, I'm I'm drawing a total blank, Robert, and you being the musicologist is that's uh, that's the Linda Perry of hey, yeah, 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 yeah. that Linda Perry. <laughs> is that it? Song's called What's Going On. Yeah, uh, what's going on? She's from Four Non Blondes. Yeah. So Linda Perry, they've worked with her a bit. She co-produced one song on Rockford. She's sort of in and out of their sphere, you know, like they're so tight with Julian Raymond now, who also worked on Rockford. Mm -hmm. But Linda Perry seems to kind of come in and out every once in a while. Yeah, her name's first in the credits for this one. So that might be something that she brought to the table. 
And um, yeah, so who knows? Who knows? Like what element she is responsible for? But maybe it was her writing that was trying to pay homage to a couple of her favorite cheap trick songs. You never know. Could be. I know that she is a real heavy uh, kind of musicologist. Yeah. I, I really like the lift in this chorus. I really like what, you know, it, 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 uh, it goes up on what won't give up without a fight. I think, again, Robin and and I, gosh, I kind of hear a little bit of his son in there. I know he's in there. And it, I think the chorus is really strong. Yeah, I like when I can hear Robin Taylor Zander in there. Um, I wish I could hear him a little bit more. You know, he's got this real pure kind of tenor. Yeah, it's crystal clean. It's, it's yeah, really nice tone. So for an album called In Another World, it's so good that it had to have two title tracks. You don't get that too often. So now we have the Another World reprise. which is like this fast you know almost like punky version of the same song that we've already talked about we had that nice kind of hopeful ballad at the beginning of that or near the beginning of the album and now we have this real like hard rock thing which i like i i think it sounds really great i wonder if maybe the sequencing of the album could have been a little different i would maybe have the album open with this and close with the ballad version but i don't know what do you guys think of that you do you have a crystal ball <laughs> because I thought that would have been genius, like genius. And did you hear the story about the, them recording this song? Did you either, you hear this on the, uh, the uh, Eddie yeah. Trunk interview? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That Julian didn't the- like it. He walked out of the room, and they apparently did it when he wasn't around or something or other. Yeah, that. Well, that's a story. I don't. You know, mm-hmm. I I take all their stories with us. <laughs> yeah, especially when it comes out of Rick's mouth for sure. <laughs> But yeah, it, but it does sound like it's a quick kind of a, that they just like tossed it off in the garage real quickly. So there there could be, I'm sure there's some truth to, the, to that story. Uh, it sounds like that for sure. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we talked about earlier, why I can't connect with some of the the bands from our youth doing the same kind of music now, because it's like, it's for, I can't buy somebody that's 66 you know, singing about the stuff they were singing about when they were 20, you know, kind of thing, if you get my drift. But Cheap Trick seems to pull it off because when you throw the camp in there and the cheekiness and the fact that they're very self-derogatory, it helps it work. You know what I mean? It's They can get away with stuff that other bands of their age can't get away with. It's it's a weird thing. Hmm. I think I'd agree with that. I don't know if I've ever really thought about that before. But, man, maybe because they're... You know, they take so many pot shots at themselves in interviews 
it's like, what could you add to that? <laughs> so, right, exactly. You know, so I think that we expected from Rick, you know, we yeah. just expected from Rick. So nothing they do is going to be like, oh, that was not a good idea, you know, because we just expect crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. But but here you go. Here's a song, you know, it, for all intents and purposes, it's it's a raw, punky so- a song done by guys in their late 60s and early 70s. And it's freaking great. I buy it. I, I, it. I totally get it. I, it's it's an, a phenomenal song. I absolutely love it. I want to hear it live. They better play this version live. I love Rick's yeah, 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 yeah. You know that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's it's just like it's like a frenzy. The whole, the whole song is like a frenzy. Yeah. And then yeah. It's, you know you have that great Robin scream in there too, which you know I always love to hear. It's I loved it. I love this version. Well, I love them both for different reasons, but this one's just so freaking awesome. <laughs> when I saw it listed twice on the press release for the album, I was a little concerned. Like, you know, what are they doing here? But yeah, uh, they it works. Yeah, yeah you know, no, it works. I got to say that the very first pass that I did of this album in general, I, I thought, meh, you know, I wasn't like overjoyed. I, and I, it could be because maybe I was in a bad mood that day. It could be because I didn't sit and listen to it like with earbuds in or something so I could really hear it. I didn't really listen to the to the lyrics or but I gotta tell you, and I, I I really didn't thrill over either version of this another world the first time I listened, but after listening to it so many times, I it, it just blows me away. <laughs> Everything about this album is just like, wow. So and now, I, when you listen, Tracy, you, do you say, do you go out in the driveway and scream at the top? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, usually it's in the car, so I just <laughs> scream it anyway. I'm, I'm one of those people that you pass on the road who's singing very dramatically in the car at all times. That's, that's me. I do. Awesome. I belt it out every time. <laughs> Good girl. Um, okay, so we're getting near the end of the record here. Maybe this is the end of the record. I don't know. We have to kind of talk about that. Um, <laughs> Formally, I guess it, this it is the end of the record, which is uh, I'll see you again. Just rest your eyes. I'll see you again. Just close your eyes. I'll see you see you again so this is a really a nice kind of gentle way especially after that frantic another world reprise um reminds me a little bit of shelter from the 1997 record uh beautiful heartfelt kind of ballad uh and a fantastic robin zander vocal on this peter 
Yeah, well, you know what I'm going to say. Again, uh, not unlike the comment I, I made on So It Goes, um, this is the one that uh, my co-host of the I Love It Loudcast, Vinny, skips every time, hates it. My nephew, who is my cheap trick partner in crime, Tracy, who you've met, uh, mm -hmm. hates it, um, skips it, and I don't get it because it's the one that I probably put on repeat the most. And it's not mm. my favorite on the album, but I love it. I, if I'm out on a long walk and it's dusk and man, I just think it's beautiful. It puts me in a, just, a, and it's, it, it's sad. Uh, it's, it's got, you know, it, it's hopeful in a way. Uh, do we know what the subject matter of this song is? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, there's a Rick interview where he says that the song Final Days was written for Julian Raymond's brother-in-law, but that's actually incorrect. It's this song. Mm -hmm. So Julian Raymond's brother-in-law had uh, had passed away, Oh, okay. I guess, uh, either just before they started recording mm -hmm. or maybe w during the recording. So the song is sort of, yeah, it's a nod to that kind of sentiment. And maybe that's part of what I... I didn't know that when I first heard it and, and compared it to Shelter off the 97 record, because that album or that song, of course, was informed by uh, Rick's parents passing away. Right. Um, Boy, it makes the song even sweeter to me. I mean, to think that Rick as a friend just sat down to or wh whoever wrote the lyrics, you know, for their their friend Julian. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's very nice. Yeah. He also said that um, it was not intended to be on the album. It was just intended for them to perform it for him, for Julian. Oh, wow. Right. But they ended up putting it on. I also inquire. There's a lot of people inquiring about who was singing what on this mm -hmm. song. Yeah. And I went to the horse's mouth a little bit and asked. And according to Dax, the low, low registered voice is Julian singing. Mm, right not tom unlike you know a lot of people thought it was tom but it, it's actually julian singing yeah i think he's one of the voices that does uh, during the intro to uh, summer looks good on you as well i think he's third and then it's robin taylor xander's last mm -hmm. maybe i have to go back and listen to that yeah the third yeah, yeah. the third harmony is the high one yeah, Julian is is a uh, he's doing a lot of backing and harmony vocals with the guys now so that's a, that's a new role for a producer for them. So my one gripe, I haven't griped almost, I haven't griped at all, I don't think. Placement of this song on the album, not a good spot for it. Oh, no, you don't think they should have ended with I'll See You Again? No, I, I think they should have done what we talked about, uh, Another World and then Another World. But uh, no, I, I, I would have liked this probably more towards the middle. Right. So if you swap this with the original Another World, put Another World at the at the end. I like that Another World's book ending. Book ending. Right. Yeah, me too. Um, I would have gone with that. I think it reminds me of Sleep Forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. There's some beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, beep stuff going on that you also hear in like faintly in in. Uh, sleep forever mm -hmm. like some computery bone type sounds and they also have that in this song yeah like a digital processing the old uh, cliche digital processing sound the yes. computer sound yeah yes songs like that and shelter and i'll see you again you know they do this kind of thing really well which is like a mid-tempo kind of bow but you know without it being you know your typical you know hair ballad 
you know, like it's not like the flame or any number of, you know, those eighties rock bands who are doing these yeah. power ballads. This, this yeah. stuff is really heartfelt. It doesn't sound yeah. contrived, no. which I, you know, to me, hair ballads or those power ballads do. Yes. To me, they it, sound very contrived, you know, that's I, I use the word Robert sweet because yeah, I, what, okay. I'm a softy, whatever. It's a sweet song. It's a beautiful that's song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those, you know, what's uh, like poison? Uh, every rose has its thorn. Is that what yeah. it's called? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's a song just to get girls to, you know, take their yep. pants off. Right. You know, about that, one of about a hundred of those that came out in the four or five year span. You know, you know very, very, it, it, it's not about a heartfelt sentiment. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, duping, gr- you know, groupies backstage. So uh, I think Cheap Trick does this kind of thing really well. Robin's got a beautiful voice for it. I like it when they when they do songs like this. I I'll agree with Pete. I think the track listing could have been in a bit of a different order, but in terms of content, this is a strong record from Cheap Trick. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So the CD now has a a bonus track. I you know I think maybe they should have given it a five seconds of dead air or something. But this is the cover of John Lennon's "Give Me Some Truth." some truth that they uh, originally released as a digital single in november of 2019 you know i collect cds so i like having all my music on cds so i'm, I'm kind of glad it is on a cd but uh you know i don't really see it as part of the album i guess it's a part of the album in the sense of robin's thoughts about the country being divided and the issues that were happening in the government uh, for the last four years it does fit in with that so and i guess that's why they they put it on there what do you think, Tracy? Well, I know you're all going to think I'm some kind of anarchist or this is sacrilege or something, but I am not a big John Lennon follower. I don't know much of his stuff, and I'd never heard his version of this song until after I heard this version. And I have to say that I like Cheap Trick's version better. <laughs> and right. I know that's going to cause all kinds <laughs> of drama and craziness, but I like it better. I think the lyrics speak for themselves. And, you know, there's some Robin screeching, you know, in there near the end. That's always a plus. I'm sad that people are butthurt about it because it really just is a song. You know, I I get it that uh, people tried to, because of things that were, you know, lyrics that were changed when it was performed live recently. Not even recently. He actually did the same change when I heard him sing this song in the Wisconsin Dells back in whenever that was 2020 <laughs> it's it's a shame that people are getting so butthurt about it i guess is all i have to say because it's a good song i like it i don't think that it's fair that people put rock stars into a category that aren't allowed to have opinions about anything unless it matches their own opinion yeah um, that's weird but because uh, that's what it boils down to you can have an opinion about politics as long as you, it equals mine otherwise you're not allowed is, is the general rule of thumb, it seems, at least on social media. But I, I like it. 
I like it better than Don's version. Sorry, Don. <laughs> if if you're listening. Yeah, you never know. You so for people who might not know, let us know um, or detail the lyric change that Robin's done to the song. Not on the album. The album is is John Lennon's original lyrics, but the way that they've performed it on uh, iHeartRadio and they did it on the Howard Stern show. And so, also in the Wisconsin Dells. Um, right. So the change is uh, instead of no short haired, yellow bellied son of tricky dickies gonna blah, blah, blah. He says no short haired, yellow bellied son of a bitch. Trump is right. gonna blah, blah, blah. He does not say Trump or people think he does, but he doesn't. He says Trump, son of a bitch. Trump is what he right. says. Yeah. He's not calling people who voted for Donald Trump um, names, uh, sons of bitches. Bellied. He's not saying that, right. but but yeah. Right. So John Lennon's original song was referring to uh, President Nixon, who of course yes. was a very I am not a crook. I am not a crook. Yeah, keep saying it. <laughs> and uh, so Robin's updated it. Um, this is obviously, you know, like we said, this is something Robin feels very strongly about. He's he's raising kids in a country that was, uh, you know, the Capitol building was being rioted and. Uh, he feels strongly about this stuff, so that's his expression. That's that's what he does. I'm sure if he was doing a solo album, it might be even more political. But for now, this is this is how Robin feels. And uh, as an artist, you know that that's what we want. We want to know what's on his mind, what he's thinking about, uh, what's affecting him. And uh, obviously, he's not he's not holding back. I'll lighten the mood here a little bit, uh, Tracy. Guess what? I love the Beatles. Uh, behind me is a shower curtain with the Beatles on it. And I'm not a huge Lennon solo fan uh, and have never heard his version, believe it or not. And I, I probably kicked out of podcast world right now. So I only have the uh, the cheap trick version. And I, I think it's a it's a fantastic musical performance. I think Dax, uh, there, he's laid back. He's behind the beat a little bit. He's in front of it. In certain, it's it's got that beautiful Rick sloppiness, which is just so awesome. Uh, the little the little lead breaks. Uh, the vocals are super strong. I think that the whole band just sounds fantastic in the song. It just it's sonically to me, it sounds really good. Well, they get some extra help from uh, Steve Jones is yeah. actually on guitar from the Sex Pistols. So that's like a neat uh, union as well. In terms of uh, John Lennon and Cheap Trick, what some people might not know is they're uh, cover of Fats Domino's Ain't That a Shame is actually them covering John Lennon's arrangement. He did it on an album called Rock and Roll, and uh, that's more th that's the version that they're covering. They're not really, you know, the the song is from by Fats Domino, but they're actually covering the John Lennon version. If you listen to those two back to back, they sound more similar than if you listen to Fats Domino and then Cheap Tricks Ain't That a Shame. So I'm holding my Gimme Some Truth uh, uh, single that came out in 2019. It's got Gimme Some Truth and Side A, and Side B is the um, the live tune they did with Roy Wood, I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. I'm mm -hmm. drawing a total blank. This came inside another album, didn't it? This wasn't it? No. It was sold on Record Store Day by itself. Ah, okay. So, man, boy, great memory on me. So I bought it in, at Record Store Day and didn't even remember. 
Uh, yeah, because this one is 2016, and give me some truth, is 2019. It was Record Store Day. Yeah. I right. know because I, I, you know, had to have it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I think we should, we should talk a little bit about the cover to the album. <laughs> yes, I was hoping you were going to get to that. You know, th- you know, the thing about this record, it's so good, and, you know, the, so many of the fans are really connecting with it. They're really enjoying it. But even when it was first announced, when they first posted the cover online, you know, the Cheap Trick community were like, what? (laughs) Like, that can't be right. That's not an album cover. And, you know, I think maybe it's grown on us a little bit since we've had it for so long now. But uh, interestingly, the guy who designed it, Dale, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Volker, he actually did the digital single artwork for uh, light up the fire and he did that single uh sleeve for give me some truth which are both pretty good yeah the give me some truth is really cool so the guy's got some design chops <laughs> but i don't know i actually like even the booklet in in another world where it's like that dark gray instead of just a black and white checkerboard but i don't know what what do you guys think of this sleeve when you first saw it? And has that opinion changed at all now that you've lived with it for a while? Go ahead, Trace. All right. Well, I have a theory. Mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't thought it was odd but when I first saw it, but I didn't, you know, have an opinion really either way. But to me, when I look at it, it's swirly looking and it, remi- it makes me think of the Twilight Zone. Mm. And I'm like, so in another world is kind of like the Twilight Zone. Yeah, like, ooh, we're going into another world. Yes. Mm. And I think that maybe I, I could be way wrong, but maybe it's related somehow to that swirly, another dimension, Twilight Zone kind of, and now we're in another world situation. Yeah. That's my theory. I don't hate it. I mean, and you're sticking to it. That's right. You can't change my mind. I know a lot of people really despise it, but I was never one to get too bent out of shape about album covers either. So, I I, you know. I actually liked it from the beginning. Is it groundbreaking or spectacular? No, but it doesn't. It never bothered me. Uh, I'm in the printing business. Um, there's a couple I, a couple things I. I would have done the cheap trick logo in a different blue or a different color because I think it gets lost because of its font size and the swirling. I j- that's the only thing I might have done that in like a, an orange or something or whatever. But I think that I, I think that is my only gripe. I love getting lyrics. It is, the CD booklet is great. The pictures yeah. are great. I love the studio shots. How cool mm-hmm. are those? Yeah. really cool you know i thought i thought overall and i don't buy cds i only bought this because my uh two or three i was it two or three i can't remember versions of the vinyl i bought obviously won't be here for a while but um no i, I think it's uh i think it's pretty good wow didn't see that coming no I, I like tracy said i never get really crazy over album covers i mean the doctor i thought was horrid but uh no <laughs> well, you gotta yeah. draw the line somewhere yeah and i actually <laughs> like the four color image of the world so it does have you know it does have some other colors in there so i think it's it's decent it's not the worst i've seen well <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's good uh thanks for mentioning the, uh, the vinyl releases so apparently this is all allegedly because these things keep getting pushed back but there's going to be three different versions of this on vinyl 
if I have if I if I have that right. So the regular retail version is is um, regular black vinyl. Mm -hmm. Target is going to have a version that's like a picture disc. Yeah, those are the, the two album, that I ordered. Yeah, I know cover. for a fact. And then indie record stores are supposed to also have a version that's blue and white splattered vinyl. Oh, that's neat. So that would be in, you know more of kind of a well maybe not psychedelic but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I I have an order in for every version of vinyl because I'm crazy. Right. And now, how many of these songs, guys, do you think they'll attempt when when the world gets back to normal and they're doing that, not their opening slots, their headlining slots? How many of these tunes do you think they'll bring out at least initially? I would I would hope for as many as possible. I think we we talked about this maybe on our whiskey show, maybe not, but um. I don't think there's any song that they have to play and there's no songs that are off limits. So if they want to do a set, that's just songs from the last three records, I'll follow the tour. Ooh, I like the cut of your jib, Robert. I like <laughs> yeah. it. You know, like just bust out all of these, you know, like I said, I, yeah. I saw summer looks good on you and uh, I really liked it live. It was, I liked it a lot more. So imagine if, you know, a song like boys and girls and rock and roll, I absolutely want to hear that during a, Especially a headlining set where they're able to, you know, play a small theater or a small, uh, you know, concert venue like that. And I yeah, thought that one sounded great on the iHeartRadio. They had that camera angle behind Dax, and I thought it was even a little grittier and cooler live, right in that in, in that atmosphere. Yeah, this yeah. album's gonna kill live if 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 they give it a, the chance. You know, if they actually bust it out live, this album, this material will be fantastic live. I, there's no mm -hmm. doubt in my mind. It's just. They have to play them. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be up for that. And you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have to do all the driving because there'd be two other people in the car with you. So <laughs> we're doing a road trip. That's right. Yeah. Can't wait. So I don't know. I think we've covered everything here. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Th thank you again so much for inviting me. And, and Ken, thank you so much for letting me take part in this. Uh, it's a real treat. I mean, uh, I, there's probably, well, there's at least four other people, uh, Ken, BJ, uh, you and Tracy, Robert, that like to talk about Cheap, uh, cheap Trick uh, more than I do. I, maybe we'll have to throw Mike Hayes in there, our good friend across the pond. But uh, yeah, it, this is always a, a, a tremendous pleasure. And uh, I love me some Cheap Trick and I love uh, being able to chat with you guys. Well, it's great having you here, Peter. Uh, I think you're everybody's fifth favorite cheap talk host. Oh, take it. <laughs> for, for people who don't know, Rick Nielsen often says that Cheap Trick is everybody's fifth favorite band, you know, after the Stones, the Beatles, you know, whatever. And I, do, I don't agree with him about that, but that's a Rick Nielsen joke that I'm just tailoring for Peter. <laughs> yeah. So See how Peter, I kind of stepped into that? <laughs> If you want to check us out, too, um, at my podcast, the I Love It Loudcast uh, with my co-host, Vinny Folletti, you can find us Spotify, Facebook of the same name, Apple Podcasts. Uh, everybody knows the routine. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know where to find podcasts. Um, again, uh, we, we talk about Cheap Trick often. We're not a solely Cheap Trick show. But if uh, you like it, uh, let me know. If you don't, let me know also. Sounds good. Also want to give a quick shout out to our buddy Ralph Vieira and his YouTube channel Almost Human. Check that out. He's a pretty cool cat and also digs uh, this band that we just spent the last hour and a half talking about, Cheap Trick. Also, Joey Haney, good friend of the show. Uh, he's got a podcast called Rock Strikes 10. Uh, also a big Cheap Trick fan. Check him out. Perfect. Well, that's our show for today, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cheap Talk. 
We'll see you next time. Thanks. <laughs> Say goodbye, Tracy. Goodbye, Tracy. Say goodbye, Robert. Goodbye, Robert. Say goodbye, Peter. Goodbye, Pietro. <laughs> Take care, Peter. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap trickin'.